tip top of the whatever time of the day you've downloaded this and listened to this, this is the inaugural Dewerisms podcast presented to you by the good folks at County Market. I'm Chris Dewar. My good friend Jet Beecham will join us in just a bit. And we are super excited to have you on board as we embark on yet another new adventure in tri-state local sports and so much more. We're here and we're excited to just kind of give you a way to kind of preview the week ahead, look back a little bit. We'll talk all kinds of high school sports every Wednesday with you here on the podcast. You can download it. You can listen to it on the way to your favorite game. You can download it and listen to us while you're jogging or walking the dog. Whatever it may be, we are going to be here for you and are super excited to have you on board. And again, we do thank you for your indulgence and we thank the great folks at County Market for their support of local young people and your communities. Without them, nothing like this is possible. And speaking of that, your tailgating party starts at County Market. Stock up and save big with their buy six, save $3 sale happening down on hundreds of items in the store. That includes pizza, brats, salsa, even Kleenex. That's buy six, save $3. All right, now did a little business and now Jet Beecham's going to join us. And we're going to talk, first of all, before we kind of get into the week four schedule about the biggest takeaways of week three from the high school football season. And as I see it, Jet, I, I thought there were three. First and foremost, uh, the fact that Camp Point Central is very very much for real with a statement victory against Brown County in a game when the game felt like it was getting away from the Panthers down 15 to 14 as the Hornets scored 15 unanswered in an absolute blank. Central found a way to answer, show some resolve and for a team with five new starters on the offensive line, uh, playing a kid at quarterback who wasn't even on the depth chart at that position at the start of practices as as Camp Point Central continues to move on through the Blake Eiler injury situation. And we don't really know the status of what that's going to be at this point, other than Brad Dixon's indicating it could be some time for him to get healthy. I thought Camp Point Central showed a ton of moxie last week. That would stand out to me. I also thought that we saw that those Lewis and Clark teams are very much for real. Even in a loss, Paris played very well with Scotland County. But Scotland County and Knox County in particular with their huge wins last week, uh, particularly Knox County going out and, and finding a way to end the West Tran Jinx. That was a huge leap forward for a really good Knox County team that needed it. I know that Robert Mock had a huge game again. He's averaging 12 tackles, also picked up a pair of fumble recoveries this week. So Knox County getting it done with defense against West Tran and Scotland County just putting up ridiculous Boku offensive numbers at the expense last week of a, a Paris team that had played pretty well up to that point. I thought that was huge last week. And, and obviously, I think Quincy High School bouncing back would be the third huge takeaway from everything. Obviously, you know, going on the road to UT, UT is not an elite team in the Western Big Six, but the Blue Devils had to get their mojo back working. They did it in every fashion. It wasn't just a Dante Kreider who did have that one long 84-yard touchdown run, but it was the passing game. It was Lucas Reese kind of finding some, some rhythm. Uh, I know Clay Hansen had a pair of touchdown catches, so obviously that speaks to the way the Blue Devils are moving the ball around the offense at this point. That was big, and the defense really kind of bowed its neck, as it has all season long, but but showed what it was capable of as well. So, Jet, to me, those were the three biggest take takeaways of Week 3. What kind of impressed and stood out to you? 
I mean, first and foremost, just, you know, touching on the camp point central victory, you mentioned it. I believe it was, you know, over 30 points unanswered by that team. And it kind of just speaks to the depth that camp point central has that maybe a lot of WIVC teams just don't have. I think Brown County, I, when I saw them in, in the gridiron previews, they had some great depth as well. But, you know, it, it speaks to Brad Dixon, the culture he's created, and the amount of kids he has buying into the program, buying into the roles, no matter what they're put into and to come to come you know to a brown county team that both you and me were both both very very high on and you in fact had brown county you know you rode with it your your preseason prediction you know taking them over camp point and heck you were almost right but it, it just seemed like that defense came up with the stops when they needed to got the ball back into the hands of the offense and just like that brad dixon's team just kept rolling and you know it'll be interesting i think obviously we're all waiting now on that that central uh, you know, Beardstown matchup and, you know, what what will Carrollton do? I mean, you know, obviously being in that different, you know, division in the WIVC, we might not get to see them until later, you know, and I think, you know, personally me, I think, you know, it's going to be Camp Point Central versus Carrollton later on in the playoffs if we are predicting what the future is going to hold. And that Carrollton team is a good one, just that we don't see a lot and a team that's just outside our coverage area. So, you know, it'll be interesting. I think the WIVC is now in the hands of either Brown County or, or Central. So we'll see how that goes. And you mentioned it, that great, great, probably my favorite game of the week, that Paris versus Scotland County game. I was super, super high on Scotland County after seeing them in, in, in the preseason at the Jamborees. Loved Hayden and Alex Long. Also saw them, uh, many folks did, but there was a QB camp this past summer where I actually got to see them for the first time. They, they were completely off my radar, but I saw the way they slang it. I saw the fact that, hey, you're willing to travel you know, to learn under, you know, a QB guru that had played at Hannibal and was interested in, you know, coaching up kids. I mean, we mentioned other quarterbacks in that conversation. Ike Wiley from QD was also there, as was uh, Bowling Greens. He's, his name's getting away from me right now. Bowling Greens Austin quarterback. Callahan. Austin Callahan. You know, again, one of my favorite players. You know, that was all the best quarterbacks in the tri-state area happened to be that camp, and so were Mr. Hayden and Alex Long. I didn't even know who they were, but, man, what a splash they're making so far. That team definitely one to look at, you know, when it comes to rankings in the Class 1 in state Missouri, and, you know, I'm super excited to see where they go on from there. You mentioned Quincy High. You know, we both knew that that's kind of the way that game was going to go, but, you know, wins in the WB6 are hard to come by. We mentioned, you know, Q, uh, QHS is going to see Moline, a team that I believe has a double-digit win streak in, in WB6 later on this season. So, hey, you need those conference wins. And obviously, you know, the playoff, you know, numbers are still there as before we get onto districts here in a couple years. So, hey, you make the playoffs under Rick Little, continue to get this streak going. It's going to be nice things. And, of course, I think another game that, you know, spoke to me was, you know, another top 10 matchup in Missouri. It was Centralia versus Palmyra. The third straight week where Centralia, I mean, you know, that defense is unbelievable. Palmyra, give them credit. Their defense is amazing. I just think, you know, once, if they if that team finds something on offense and is able to move the ball, watch out whoever they're playing that week. That's a team that can upset anyone, even though it might not be an upset on paper considering their ranking. But, man, once we get into those Palmyra-Clark counties, that Clark County-Monroe City games, those are going to be really, really fun. And I know I'm super, super looking to that. Touching things now to Iowa as you didn't when I was at Keokuk, man. Uh, well, you know, what a, what a start for the Chiefs right now. I just think, you know, things are rolling under Blaine Martinez and that defense still one of the chippiest in the area and both in the state as well. 
Let's beg the question here. We're three weeks into the season, and before we get into the schedule and look ahead, who's the best quarterback we've seen in Tri-State football to this point? I think there's there's a lot of things that can be said. Uh, it kind of depends on what your preference is stylistically as a quarterback, but there are a lot of quarterbacks, and we said that it might be a soft year going into the year quarterback-wise relative to some of the other years that we've seen, but I think we've seen some incredibly strong quarterback play. I, I think the fact that that Paris is 2-1, and one, speaks to Clayton Langerud, who, yeah. who's, who's kind of amplified a sort of Ben Roethlisberger, extend the play, make things happen, bigger guy at quarterback vibe for the Coyotes. He's a big reason why they've been as good as they've been. You touched on Kiaka. Corey Skinner has made measurable improvement, both as a runner and as a passer, and he's been incredibly accurate. I think he was 8 of 17 this past week, and uh, you know, obviously not huge stats numbers, because we don't really have a lot of spread offenses in our area. Uh, Unity Payson is probably, you know, in, in Illinois, the biggest spread offense we have right now. VJ Lane runs a little bit of, of that at Macomb, and Macomb has sort of been hot and cold at this point. But we, we've seen some different guys emerge at quarterback a little bit. Kyle Hayes has been pretty good as a real young sophomore starter for Monroe City. He'll get tested a little more this week, and we'll talk about that with a road trip to Macon. But I could make an argument right now that of all the guys we've touched on, I don't think anybody has been as good at quarterback as Blake Class has been at Macon to this point. And, you know, we saw it again last week. He had a hand and six touchdowns, four of them passing. And that was against a pretty good South Shelby defense, albeit a South Shelby defense that came into the season with a little bit of a suspect defensive backfield. But, you know, to this point, I think Blake Class may have set the bar. I mean, obviously, you, you touched on Hayden Long. He's had a really good run out of the gate as well, but but Macon is undefeated. Macon only had three returning starters total coming into this season. Obviously, it's nice when you've got the biggest and best returning offensive lineman in the entire area, you know, and Caden Phillips working for you. But, you know, um, again, I think Blake Class deserves his respect. He does have a good receiving core, but he's exercised it well um, and, and clearly shown some scrappiness. And I, I guess I'd ask you, is Blake Class the best quarterback you've seen to this point? Because to me, I, I think he and Ike Wiley are kind of head and shoulders yeah. above everybody. And I and I do too. I, I think Blake, you know, especially for the teams that he's beaten, maybe people weren't expecting Megan to be this good. You mentioned the returning starters. Now he's got some great receivers back, but he did, you know, still lose a lot of guys. So for what he's done this year, both on the ground and in the air, you saw it in the Highland highlights. You know, I mean, the man was slinging it. And, and and another quarterback I'd actually like to mention that maybe you know we don't think about because of the offense they run, but Lucas Reese. I think as as far as maybe accuracy numbers, we we didn't know what was going to happen this season with him, but he's found a way to not only be accurate when the Blue Devils call upon him, but also you know throw a lot of touchdown passes when it comes to that. And he has his favorite targets. And you know that Blue Devil, you know those receivers. It's not like they're just you know dinking and dunking it out there to a Dante Crider. No, he's he's pointing pinpointing it. In, in the uh, in the air and, and things like that. And I just think he's doing a great job as well for what he's being asked to do. But I'd have to agree with you, making so far, I, I, I love what Mr. Class is doing. Uh, you know, Long from, from Scotland County, obviously a favorite. Langerud, an amazing one. I mean, that Scotland County... Uh, Paris game was back and forth, back and forth, and you know it was just exciting stuff. And and we mentioned VJ Lane was probably, I guess, maybe the the biggest name we knew coming back. Unfortunately for him, the Macomb offense they score a lot, 
But, you know, the defense hasn't been able to get that, so that's why you see the 0-3 on the record. But I like, you know, what Unity has done. I, I remember, you know, speak, you know, going to that preview, Austin Cornwell has had himself, you know, a, a pretty good year so far, both on the ground and, and through the air, especially with, you know, all the weapons he has. He also lost a lot, though. you got to mention guys like Luke Jansen, gone. You know, one of the best receiving threats, you know, so far this year. So it's interesting to see, and you touched a little bit on Corey Skinner. I loved what Corey Skinner was doing this past this past week against WBND. It seemed like Keegog actually had some trouble, you know, finding finding ways to move it on the ground while I was there in the first half. But anytime he got passing, it, it seemed like that's the way they move the ball, and then they finish things off on the run. And, of course, when you have – you have guys like, you know, Brilliant Martinez, the Dink and Duncan out there into the side, and for him to take it 64 yards, it helps. So I, I think the quarterback, we've we've had it, you know, we've had seen some names that we were used to. I think as far as purest passers, you're right. Ike Wiley has probably the prettiest spiral on a ball I think I've seen, you know, here in the, in the two years I've been here. You know, Gay, I'll, I'll give Gabe Worthington some of that too from last year. He had a beautiful ball as well. But Ike Wiley, you know, growing into his role. Looking good. I, I just think, you know, we are – I'm a little surprised by the way quarterbacks have been playing so far because I don't think we were expecting, you know, this class to be as good as it's been. I think from a from a quarterback standpoint, you've you've seen a lot of guys step up and guys stepped up in, in huge situations. And, and a guy that I think needs to get mentioned as well as that, and I know they're coming off a loss this week, is Daniel Burke and what he's done at South Shelby and his ability to run the football because you're replacing an All-Stater and the Clarence Cannon Conference Player of the Year. But I think Daniel Burke – Burke has been very good. He had a very Brock Wood-like rushing game two weeks ago where he put up huge Botho numbers there. You touched on Austin Cornwell right now. I just called up the stats on Cornwell for the season. He's been pretty good as well, and, and obviously I think Unity Payson is an ascendant team that's starting to gather some momentum, and Cornwell's numbers are good. 43 of 80 so far this season for 447, five touchdowns, three interceptions, and he split his 43 receptions to this point between eight different receptions. So obviously Austin Cornwell's going. Uh, he'll have an interesting test this week with Triopia, which I guess would lead us in at this point, Jet, to talking about the week four schedule, which is the business that we're getting paid for here today. But before we do that, it's dinner made easy at County Market every Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Get a free Pepsi 2-liter when you buy a pizza or more, a pizza more, take-and-bake pizza from the deli every weekday now through Halloween at County Market. All right, let's get on to the Week 4 schedule. We'll start off in Illinois this week. West Hancock at Quincy Notre Dame. I'm going to throw out some thoughts. You feel free to do the same as well. Um, this is a game where Quincy Notre Dame, I think, gets back on more even footing and on a more even keel after running into the highest scoring team in the state last week in Peoria Central. And Peoria Central is legit. There's probably four Division I kids on that team in one sport or another when it's all said and done. West Hancock has struggled with its offense. Um, I think everybody's lying in wait for Isaac Munson and Drew Martins, and it's time for somebody else in the Titans to try to beat somebody. And this is going to be a week because Quincy Notre Dame is right up there with the defenses they've seen to date. Uh, West Hancock is with Clark County and obviously with that really really good starting team against Lutheran that they played in week one. So this is another great defense. West Hancock's going to have its hands full. And, and Quincy Notre Dame, again, 
a little smartened from last week, not used to being in that position, but a chance to get out of the gate 3-1, and one, which, which puts them two wins away from playoff eligibility. If they win this week, they're one win away from playoff eligibility pretty quickly. So, you know, they're in pretty good stead. The Raiders are, are pretty good. Also, McComb in must-win territory at 0-3, taking on yeah. Kankakee this week. Quincy High School's at home against Galesburg. You would think that the Blue Devils are probably heavy favorites in that one. 7.30 start at home. Again, I mentioned the WIVC Triopia at Unity Payson. Unity Payson has it, a chance. Interesting matchup. Yeah. A very, very interesting matchup. I mean, when Triopia had themselves, you know, it's, it's kind of been, obviously, coming off that Beardstown loss, I'm sure, you know, people knew expected Beardstown to win that game, but, you know, Triopia, you know, don't hang their heads. They've, they've gotten a win this year. I think that a lot of people weren't expecting them to get, so now they're coming in here one and two. Uh, you know, probably a little mad from, you know, the beatdown they took last week, so who knows that maybe they catch a Unity Payson team sleeping. I think that's going to be a good matchup, and one that's really underrated on its schedule this week. Route is at Camp Point Central. That's a must-win game now for Barry Creveston's crew. They are at risk of losing their third straight game this week. Central is not a team that you want to have to beat. Obviously, the way Central has played played to this point. Um, we'll see if Creveston can summon some of the magic and get his team back on an even keel. Beardstown is at Brown County. Might be the most interesting game in the WIVC. Obviously, Brown County, as we mentioned, had moments last week. Beardstown undefeated all the way up to fourth this week in Class 3A. Their skill position guys have been phenomenal. You saw the highlights last week that we showed you of Avery Quigley, albeit on a run that didn't count, running through about 10 different tacklers. It's he, it's Pascal Gilavogi, it's Tristan Gann. It's Clint Cooper not only playing quarterback but middle linebacker, maybe the most unique combination yep. in our area, but he's a guy that's going to get you 10 to 12 tackles a game. He's a tough dude, and he can sling it a little bit as well. So uh, obviously Beardstown at Brown County, and Beardstown has had problems in the past winning at Mount yep. Sterling. And, and there have been some I, – I remember very, very vividly – the, the game a couple of years ago that, that was won on a last-second pass that Beardstown had to had to win the game as time expired. So, uh, you know, that it's always a tough place to play, um, and we'll, we'll see how that shakes down. Also, go ahead. And if, and if we're talking keys to this game, uh, one thing we've seen, Beardstown, every single game this season has gotten out to a early and a big lead over opponents. I don't think as far as Bra Brown County's game plan, heck, I'd even probably take the ball – if I have the opportunity at kickoff to start the game and score because Beardstown, once they get ahead, man, teams have, you know, when, when you see teams score points on them, it's almost always in the second half maybe when Brown County has taken out their starters. I mean, excuse me, Beardstown has taken out the starters. So I think Brown County can't fall into that same 14 and nothing hole they took over Central. Now, give them credit. They came back and took the lead, but I think Beardstown is a whole other animal. They can score just like that. The offense they run is interesting. Pascal sometimes goes in there as a Wildcat quarterback that underratedly probably one of the best throwers as well in the tri-state area as far as power so I, I i just think you know as far as this brown county cannot get down in this game where i think that unfortunately they've, they've dug themselves a grave and you know it's crazy to think as high as we were on brown county they just have this tough slaughterhouse schedule to start the year and could possibly after this week go at one and three and who knows what happens with that playoff calculus after that well, let's talk a little bit about the rest of the schedule in the Southwest Central, who picked up their first victory of the season at Greenfield Northwestern. That's a really tough draw for them on the road against a really good team. Pleasant Hill Western, who's winless, has to go to North Green. It's it's put up or shut up time for the Wolves. You don't get this one, and the playoff calculus doesn't make any sense. Bushnell West Prairie at Rushville Industry. As we take a look in the Prairie Land, that's Smiles Day in Rushville Industry. Both these teams kind of smarten. 
Both these teams we, we thought would be in better position at this point. Both these teams need a win if they're looking for five. Rushville Industries had some injury issues. Bushnell West Prairie trying to repair some things after some ma major graduation losses. I, I think that's a really fascinating game. We'll see if Creedon Allen is healthy enough to play. He makes a major, major difference for the Rushville Industry Rockets if they can. But that's on the board. Eight towns at Illini West and Pittsfields at North Mac. Uh, let's talk a little bit about the Iowa slate of the schedule. Is Keokuk for real? You saw them. We finally find yeah, out we'll for find real. We'll find out, that's yeah. for sure. The Centerville Big Reds come in. I think they're 2-1 and one on the season. They've played a quality slate to date. Keokuk, they're 3-0. and oh. They've been impressive, but it's kind of a soft 3-0 and oh if you look at the schedule and who they've beaten. Um, Burlington is not the team that we thought they were preseason, and that sort of plays into it. But you also don't want to take anything away from the Chiefs and, and what Josh Roberts has been able to instill in them in terms of confidence. Their defense is getting plays all over the field. It's It's been guys like Tristan O'Connor getting, getting big plays. It's that secondary. It's Colton Atterberg doing, you know, not just yeah. grabbing interceptions, but making tackles out of the defensive backfield. they got a lot of guys who do a lot of things, and, and that's a big game, Jed. Yeah, and, and we'll see what, you know, you mentioned, we'll see what Keokuk's about. If they improve to 4-0, I mean, I think at this point, that's that's our surprise team of this season. You know, even if they, you know, you know, God forbid, lose the rest of their slate, because that's unbelievable. You mentioned the Centerville team. You know, what will they do? Keokuk so far has kind of had, you know, an easier schedule. I mean, you know, let's just say what it is. That WBND WB team also was not that good. Run a different offense, you know, the more Tri-State teams are used to. So I think Keokuk has probably been favored in all three of their games. I'll give them credit. They won all those three, and you know, they did, did what they were supposed to do. But, you know, we'll find out who the real Chiefs are, you know, after this match with Centerville. Burlington is at Notre Dame, or excuse me, Burlington is at Fort Madison this weekend, not Burlington-Notre Dame. That's a different animal entirely. Burlington at Fort Madison this week in a game that Diego Lozano is likely to miss. That takes away your safety net. What is the Fort Madison defense without their all-state caliber linebacker? We're about to find out. Burlington is a team that Keokuk beat. It's a team that Fort Madison can probably expect to beat, but you got to find some other ways to get that done this week. Big test for Derek Dorty's team, and uh, we'll see how the Hounds fare there. There. They are at home. Central Lee on the road at West Burlington. Central Lee is now 0-3 on the season. The Missouri side of things, speaking of 0-3, the Hannibal Pirates in, well, they're, they're back in the NCMC and Mexico lost last week. So, uh, you know, who, who knows what, what transpires? I think a lot of, as we've mentioned with Hannibal, a lot of the problems right now are, are confidence-born. This is a better team than it's shown to this point. The schedule has been difficult, but you know, this is this is the time that you turn a season around because we're we're running out of real estate here. Three games in for the Hannibal Pirates to get that done and to to build themselves a resume going into districts. Uh, you know, and, and they're going to get a little healthier the next couple of weeks, which which will help. They've got some key pieces that are out. By the same token, this offense kind of has to settle down. Got shut out on the road last week at Bolivar. Um, and, and man, that, that you, you just feel like if you watch this Hannibal team, if they could ever find a foothold of momentum, maybe things would turn around and get better. But right now they are, they are struggling to get that offense on track as everybody's just kind of pack of the box or – for French and, and, and for reading and just defying somebody else to beat them at this point. Right now, Hannibal hasn't been able to do that. Uh, Jet is going to make the trip to Hugh Dunfield for Monroe City-Macon. Big game for both teams. If Macon is 4-0 coming out of this, wow. um, that sets up a really interesting no longer the chair game, chair game with Centralia <laughs> down the road. Um, but And there's other business to attend because Macon still has to play Clark County and um, you know, and, and Palmyra, but, but right now Macon is sort of the 
fun X factor in all of this that, that nobody really saw coming. Uh, again, I guess be, betting against a peak class team is never a smart deal. Uh, I don't know. You know, Monroe City has played better. Monroe City's offensive line also was dominated. I, for, and there's no other way to put it against Centralia in that first week. They've played so much better since. This is their first huge test because you're, you're, you're blocking Caden Phillips, too, at the other <laughs> yeah. end of things. All six foot seven, 310 pounds of him. And, you know, Dominic Mitchell has played well. They've, they've had other guys step up and play very well on that making defense to this point. I think it's a pretty big test. Yeah, and, and you know, we don't know if Monroe City can truly stop that, you know, that passing attack. We mentioned Mr. Class, one of the, if not the, one of the best, if not the best quarterback we've seen so far this season. So I'm really excited. I was at the Macon-Clark County game last year when it was, you know, the, pretty much the two top teams to going into it. So, you know, what will they show against a Monroe City team that you mentioned dropped that earlier one at Centralia? A game they were in at first, but, like, get away, you know, playing a lot better, obviously scoring a lot more points after that, you know, that six-point effort in week one so you know what can they do I, I i think you know as far as monroe city goes they have to you know play their game keep possession try and keep that making offense off the field as long as possible because you know who knows what they can do i think you know macon can move the ball they've proved it at you know scoring against kirksville i mean maybe a team that you know we didn't expect to be where they are right now but still nonetheless a, a higher class team that you know make uh, macon probably wasn't favored to win so macon so far you know still a top 10 team that's going to be an interesting game i'm extremely excited also to see the Hugh Dunn Field, you know, a newly renovated Hugh Dunn Field, I believe, with turf now, not grass. So it's going to be a great game. I'm excited. Despite the fact, you know, the last three weeks I've been pretty much driving to the long-distance games, games of the week for the most part, I'm excited for this one as well. So, you know, we're going to have a, we're going to have a battle between Monroe and Macon as, you know, that obviously has, you know, CCC title impl implications. We've got Kirksville at Clark County. Paxton Dempsey tries to test his medal. He got some passing rhythm for the Kirksville Tigers. Back reestablished last week, but Clark County is a different level of defensive animal. Um, and Clark has played well, and Sam Wheeler coming off another big game. Um, you know, last week, <laughs> Caleb Lapsley had one carry for 40 yards and a touchdown, and they put him on mothballs. So that kind of tells you about the way Clark County took care of its business as West Hancock. They're a scary team. It still, to me, Loom is one of the scariest teams, if not the scariest team in our area. Centralia beat them, but Centralia also beat them on grass at home by two points um, and, you know, did so largely on a pick six interception. So, again, uh, I think Clark County and, and Centralia are, are the two top teams in our area right now, hands down, and, and maybe Central, Camp Point Central just beyond that. But the, the, that, that's a top three that's, that's certainly worth watching. We've got Palmyra at South Shelby this week. Palmyra trying to get their offense untracked. Uh, South Shelby looking, fighting to come back after a big loss last week. At and home for the first time this season, too. You know, you normally don't start out with three road games, but, you know, you're probably not super disappointed that you're 2-1 at this point. So I think that's probably one of those interesting where we don't know you know, we don't really know which way it's going to go. It can go any way in this. And I think that Palmyra South Shelby game is probably one of the more interesting matchups because it's kind of two teams in my eyes that are almost equal. I mean, it's maybe like a 51 to 49% win for me. So, you know, both two and one teams trying to assert themselves coming off losses. I mean, you can't ask for more. Well, Palmyra also is without the services, at least as far as we know at this point, of Dakota Compton, who has been their number one, their their most effective rushing offensive weapon period i mean he's he's been kind of the guy 
Uh, and right now, we don't know what his status is after the injury, so we'll we'll see what that what that does. South Shelby's defense has been good against running teams, so this may depend on what kind of passing game Quarter Lenbauer and company have at Palmyra. Centralia's at Highlands. Centralia obviously cruising. Uh, this is their second straight road game. Highland better. I don't know that Highland's ready to make a win of this type magnitude. Montgomery County at Bowling Green. Bowling Green got Austin Callahan back last week. World of difference. They beat Mark Twain. Bowling Green may be set to go on a run. Mark Twain with a tough road trip to South Callaway. Clopton Aylesbury's at Van Farr in a game that uh, both those teams feature unbelievably fun quarterbacks and Sean Yates and Mr. Johnson, obviously, who can do a lot of different things and has been most effective for John Cleaver early. That's kind of fun. Herman's at Louisiana. Knox County at Paris. That's another a big great, Another great matchup. You mentioned Knox County coming off that West Trend win. Probably one of the more exciting offenses you'll see this year because we mentioned, you know, in our gridiron previews, they switch things up with the pieces they have. You know, they do it both on the ground, both in the air, and have, you know, some of the best weapons in their backfield. So it's going to be a fun game. And we mentioned Paris. I mean, you know, Mr. Langerun, he's got some great weapons. And they're coming off that loss to Scotland County, obviously wanting to get back in the win column. And this is probably a, a big, big game for them, you know, as far as seeing where they're at in the season. And Knox County, you know, another big one for them coming off, you know, can they keep this momentum going? Where are we going to see the Eagles? You know, I, I this is another one of those where I don't know which way it's going to go. And I'd love to be in person to see that game as well. Well, and you certainly touched on it. I, I think the interesting thing is, can can Paris establish a run game against Knox County and, and that ferocious Robert Mock-led defense? And, you know, uh, they've got pieces. I mean, Cason Berry is, is a really good, tough-nosed back, but it's going to have to be more than Clayton Langerud in the passing game because I don't think you can win one way against this Knox County defense. I think we've seen that the first couple of weeks. Scotland County on the road at Schuyler County. That that could be really, really ugly, really fast. Apologies to our friends in Schuyler County, but Scotland is is zinging right now. Yeah, if it's anything like the jamboree we saw, uh, you know, before week week one, we'll call it week zero. I, I think Scotland County might win by forty. Yeah, and and finally, Bramer is at North Shelby eight man football game. This should be another big win for North Shelby, which checked back into the eight man state rankings at number nine this week. This is a big sparring special session for the Raiders because they've got North Andrew next week at home, and that's a next level challenge, and and that's a top four team in the state. So North Shelby has to keep sharp and and head that direction and, and try to keep things going as best the Raiders can to prepare for what is the biggest challenge yet. And away, a bigger challenge than even that Waco game to open the season. So this is this is where we find out who North Shelby really is over this next course of a couple of weeks. This is your last tune-up session for Seth Bass's, Seth Bass's crew. So we'll see how that transpires as well. All right, we we're gonna shift it up just a little bit here. Uh, we want to do something different than just sports every time we do the podcast for you. So. We have a lot of different interests, and we're going to talk some pop culture and music and different things over the course of the next couple of weeks, but I wanted to start here with this for this first week because I have two superpowers in this world. The first is being able to find a shortcut anywhere in the tri-state to a game if need be, and the second, maybe more importantly, is to be able to find good food in our travels anywhere we go. And we wanted to talk a little bit about sort of, sort of some of our food travels and some of the way we rig things to do this, because we can find a meal just about anywhere in the tri-states in the way just to go. And I always find how interesting it is when we bring these things up on social media that people react so so powerfully to them that that there are some really, really good food options depending, you know, if you're driving northeast, west, or south, 
uh, depending upon the way we go. And, you know, you you folks, many of you have heard me talk about, you know, making the trip to Des Moines and how I always make the stop off in Pella, Iowa to go to Yarsma to the bakery there. And, and for those of you who have not heard that story, I discovered that basically watching ESPN Sports Center. John Anderson, who's a fellow Mizzou grad, was talking one day and was making a comparison about really great pitching staffs and said, hey, there's this place, Pella, Iowa, that exists that holds the two best bakeries in the country. And they're right across the, you know, the street from each other. And it's an embarrassment of riches. And so I was in Pella, Iowa, and I stopped. And sure enough, the baked goods are really good. So, you know, uh, everybody talks about the Dutch letters. We bring them home. I spend about $40 every time I go up there to bring them back for the station and for folks to try them who haven't had a chance. Um, you know, if you're if you're heading north and if you're ever going through Pella, Iowa, it's Yarsma and Vanderplug. And, and obviously, uh, there's so many good things. Vanderplug's kind of a little bit more of a as far as a foodie place goes, they kind of do some different things. It's more traditional uh, Dutch bakery at Yarsma. It's, you know, it's Danishes. It's a lot of marzipan. It's it's just very good. So when we're going north, that's, that's a big stop for us to Des Moines. And hopefully we go to Des Moines an awful lot because that means our teams are being very successful. The last one, of course, being Central Lee. So if you like pastry, you're ever up that neck of the woods, that's my first number one food hack. Jet, favorites in the tri-states. Well, let's see. I'm, I'm, I have a sweet tooth. You know, obviously, I, I try and keep it a little lower, but ice cream, no matter what time of year it is. Now, unfortunately, some places do close, you know, around here with the small shops. They're only open in the summer, um, but I'm a huge, huge ice cream fiend. And, and there's a couple places I like. One in St. Louis, Ted Drew's, I've, I've had it. Really, really good. Obviously, they call it uh, are those concrete. They're what are they? Concrete's yes. over there. So the that that was amazing. You know that, that custard, that custardy stuff. It's a little different than ice cream. Uh, a couple other places. I I the names are blanking on me. I, I let's see if Chris knows what they are. But there's a place in Pittsfield that has it's a great ice cream stand. It's just down the street from the high school. No, I don't know that I've ever eaten. It's. That. And, um, it's almost it's it's almost like a uh, if I had a best explain it like a blizzard from DQ. That's how they described it to me because I was when I was ordering one day when I was doing the Pittsfield um, preview, our gridiron preview, preview not this past year but the year before. They said, hey, you have to stop by there and get some ice cream. And so I stopped by there and I, and it's some of the best stuff I've had. And then equal to that is a stand in Mount Sterling, which is just across the street from the McDonald's and the is that high the tasty school. Treat? It is the ta- yes yes the tasty treat. Is, is absolutely phenomenal. So if, if I had two places to get stopped by and piss you at, I, I stare at you, just literally look up ice cream and I'm probably sure it'll, it'll take you to that place. And also the tasty treat in Mount Sterling, both absolutely awesome. When it comes to food, uh, when I'm in Macomb, I usually almost always stop by the Italian Express. I love, love their garlic bread. For some, Sometimes I literally just buy like the half size of the garlic bread and I'll just chomp on that you know, the entire way. So I'd say those are probably it. If, if I had to say somewhere in Quincy, I'm the biggest fan of the, let's see, Lanchera Arandas. I we, if if you've been watching KHUA, they're actually opening a store where the Tacos Inc. used to be, and they have a food truck, or they've had a food truck in the past for a year about on Broadway, and I believe the actual original restaurant is out of Beardstown. I might be wrong on You're that, correct, but I no. believe I saw it. Yeah. That, to me, being a Texan, you know, being a guy that's kind of likes to call himself an aficionado on Mexican food is the best I've had in the Tri-States. So if, if there were a few joints, those are all mine. Sorry for laying it out on you. I'm a foodie as much as Chris is, but I, I just, you know, I love the food the Tri-States has, and there's a lot of unique things, I will say. 
Yeah, and, you know, I, I think the, the neat thing that we found is that you can go any direction, any community, there's really great food. Uh, you know, a couple that come to mind, and, you know, I, I've voiced this a number of times. Anytime I'm heading east towards Jacksonville, if I can stop off at Bluffs, at Plockies, I do that. They have great ice cream, I, you know, and I, I've never eaten the ice cream, and I know that's probably a sin. I hear people rave about it all the time, but I'm, I'm there for the best burger one of the two best burgers in the tri-states, to my mind. Um, that's a fantastic burger, great waffle fries, just a great old-school, like, diner-type satisfaction. And, you know, you walk in there, and you you never know when you're going to run into Gabe Cox or Drew Evans from the West Central basketball team. So, hey, it's a star-studded celebrity affair. Plockies is really good. Um, I'm a big fan going that direction. I, I usually stop at Head West when I'm in Jacksonville for uh, Reuben. They do great sandwiches, one great sweet rye, rye bread. The, the cookies there are phenomenal as well. Do lemon blueberry cookies if you ever make it over there. That They're lemon blueberry sugar cookies, which are, are high on the list. I, I don't have a huge sweet tooth, but I like those a ton. Um, you know, so running around the tri-states every Friday, and I'm not, you know, I'm not just saying this to appease our sponsor, but every Friday I'm at the Haymakers for the, and it's one of the best kept secrets in Quincy for the barbecue cookout, because I mentioned it's one of the two best burgers, their chop house burger there. And you got to get there early because they start serving them about 1030, but there's always a huge crowd. I don't think it's a secret anymore because people have discovered them. But if you go to the cookout, the cookout runs every Friday and Tuesday. I never go on Tuesday because that feels like cheating, but every Friday before football both the chop house burger and the pork burgers there are phenomenal pork burgers pork burgers have a really nice sweet uh undertaste to them like a like a like a hint of of sweet to them on the back end of the finish which is which is really tasty as well and you know we we, we travel a lot for playoffs so we make trips to st louis all the time again my, my st louis favorites uh you know Jet touched on Ted Drew is always good for the concretes. I'm a big fan of Mission Tacos down there. If you're feeling like Mexico, if you love Vietnamese food, and I do, Meili or Nudo, uh, you know, I've gotten into ramen, and Nudo has ramen, and it's like ramen that you would get in Tokyo with the, you know, the the fermented egg and everything. It's just so good, and, and you know, you, you slurp the sauce, and you, you eat the noodles, and, and that's really high on my list. Um, pizza, you know, if you're down there and you're St. Charles, I highly recommend Dewey's Pizza in, in, in St. Louis, which is always fantastic. We've touched on Sugar Fire. I told somebody today that didn't have a great Sugar Fire experience, I really only go to the Wing Haven Sugar Fire, and I always order the special. And I think I've tried the other Sugar Fires, and they're not really the same level as the one at Winghaven. So if you're in Winghaven, I would strongly suggest that as a chance and always order the special. Their their sandwich, the Cuban Reuben, was was won the World Sandwich Competition. So that's if, if they're ever serving that, buy that. I would also strongly recommend uh, the Shrimp Po' Boy with shrimp as big as your knuckles uh, that are just fantastic as well if you're there. And obviously, if you're ever headed to Columbia for anything, Shakespeare's Pizza is a, a must. And the number of people we've converted to Shakespeare's Pizza, including my in-laws who now have a full set of the wonderful utilitarian Shakespeare's cups are big as well. So let us know what your food suggestions are. If we've missed one of your favorites, tell us because we, we travel in and about and we're always looking to try new, new and good food. And if we've helped you in any way, we feel like we've better served our purpose. Uh, again, thanks for downloading the podcast this week. Super excited. We'll be back here next week to break down in greater extent, obviously, the week four slate and docket that everything that transpired since we last talked. 
And uh, again, we'll also look ahead to week five and have more fun end games planned for you as, as we kind of get our feet wet in the old podcasting business. Again, it's a great access for us to be able to interact with you. And part of this is interaction. We want to hear from you. We want to hear your thoughts. So reach out to us at at uh, cdoer at sbgtv.com. You can reach out on email at any time. You can reach out via uh, our social media sites at Facebook and, and obviously at Twitter, which we're on constantly. Uh, and we'll talk some more next week as well about some of the other sports in our area as well. I think I kind of want to, as we're starting to kind of inch into Believe it or not, we're going to be in the postseason here in two weeks with golf, and that, that's the first real big run for us. The fall season is going to be over before you know it in a blink, so we're going to talk some volleyball, some cross country, and some other goodies next week as well as we start prepping for the fall postseason. For my man, Jet Beecham over there, I'm Chris Dewar. Thanks for checking in on the podcast, and again, thanks to our sponsor, County Market, for making it all possible.